I want to thank our sponsor, Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement in the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in spring or online at planetford.com. Listen to Crime Scene today. I'm your host, Dan Zintek. We cover current and future issues facing law enforcement, forensics, and crime scene investigations. So, this week uh, we're sort of off our norm in talking about uh, our local elections. Uh, normally, we talk about law enforcement topics, but what's going on around the nation right now is everybody's having local elections. Many of those elections affect what happened in your daily lives, and we think it's very important for you to take time to learn about your candidates. Uh, even if you're not in our listening area in Montgomery County, Texas, that uh, you take time to get to know your candidates, to have conversations with them, and get to uh, understand uh, what they're doing, what they're running for, and if they represent your values. Most candidates who I've met, uh, they just want to have a conversation with you. They want to take time for you to ask them questions. And at the end of that conversation, if you don't agree with what they say, then don't vote for them. But at least you've had uh, your questions answered and at least that you've had the time to uh, do your own research, instead of that research being based off of uh, the media, off of other people that uh, basically, for lack of a better term, are stealing your vote if you have had them make the decision for you. So uh, today we're covering the uh, Montgomery County Constable Precinct 2 race, and we have David Easton here. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So, David, you currently work for the Sheriff's Department here in Montgomery County as a detective. I do. So uh, you have jumped into this race. This is a, um, a unique area of the county because Precinct 2, uh, a large portion of it also encompasses the county seat, which is the city of Conroe. Uh, but uh, overall, it's about 100,000 population and uh, somewhere around 120 square miles, something like that. So uh, one thing to sort of jump right into this, uh, you have how many years in law enforcement? 22 years. So you have 22 years and uh, so I really uh, hope to get some insight from you just on uh, one of the foundations sort of the show is sort of current issues that are that are affecting law enforcement and such. But obviously when there is an incumbent in a position and you have people that step up that say, for lack of a better term, I can do a better job, there, there's issues there, right? So what are, some, what are some issues, improvements, things that you feel need to be addressed at the Precinct 2 Constable's Office? Well, Precinct 2 uh, is, is stagnant at this point. Um, it, it's, uh, it has a, um, a, an employee base of about 18 people, including the, uh, the, uh, the clerical staff over there. And so I think that uh, growth and, and working towards a 24-hour service better serves the community, better serves the, the, the Precinct 2 uh, citizens, and uh, we can do that by reallocating some of the resources that are already there um, it doesn't uh, technically they could go 24 hours a day with with the resources they have now uh, but uh, it's about 5.4 people uh, for to get to a 24 hour for one position and uh, so really at about 11 people you could get to a, a an efficient 24-hour service so now right now uh, when you say they're stagnant obviously by by statute, all the constables, their primary statute is to serve civil process. Correct. But uh, in Montgomery County and, and actually beyond, uh, Harris County has some constable agencies that are uh, five, 600 uh, man agencies that do many things. And in Montgomery County, uh, there um, seems to be that the uh, constables out here, besides serving civil process, have found uh, whatever needs to be addressed in their area, uh, extra patrol, extra things and uh, currently such as Precinct 1 is addressing the mental health uh, issue uh, with their officers. At Precinct 3, it's crimes against children, uh, DWI enforcement, uh, computer forensics, and in Precinct 4, Precinct 5, they've sort of stepped up as far as addressing some narcotics in their area. So what do you see as an issue in Precinct 2 that is something that needs to be addressed? Well, we've identified, um, you know, the city of Conroe is kind of centrally located in the Precinct 2 area. And uh, there's a about three there's about 300 homeless people in the in the Conroe area, and uh, one of one of the ideas that we want to work towards is uh, creating a, uh, a, a law enforcement initiative to uh, to partner with uh, private organizations so we can aid those who are experiencing homelessness. 
So now, as far as the homelessness, this is a, a whole bigger conversation, right? I mean, sure. what what do you feel is the biggest underlying cause? I mean, you you reference some uh, being homeless because of disaster before uh, in some mm-hmm. conversations, but many times it, it's usually uh, one of three things: either it is uh, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. it is mental illness. Or it is truly falling on hard times. Sure. What, what do you feel is sort of the underlying foundation that needs to be addressed to, to help this? Or uh, I guess some sometimes argue that uh, some don't want help, right? So how do you deal with those things? Well, I think uh, I think that uh, there, there's a lot of programs out there that they're not able to participate in. A lot of them don't know where to turn. They don't know how to uh, to get back. Uh, into uh, into reintegrated back into society again. Some of them it has to do with the fact that uh, they don't have identification. Uh, Collin County actually uh, partnered with DPS and was able to get them to agree that the that the jail identification through APHIS was a acceptable identification to get them a state ID so they could participate in these programs like uh, you know the the homeless outreach programs, the shelters, and for indigent programs like you know for health. So, do you have an idea as far as what, um, I guess, what volume uh, you're dealing with in Precinct 2 of, of homeless? Well, like I said, the 300 is, is about the, the count. There's going to be a new count that's coming up. Uh, there's some organizations that report to FEMA, and uh, what they do is they, they, they count it as a sheltered and an unsheltered, and they do it by, by not only the shelters but also in the jail population. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of veterans that are in there. That's part of the program. It's a homeless and veterans outreach program and we we want to you know this isn't a handout it's a hand up we want to see if we can get these folks uh some identification so they can so they can get with these programs these private organizations that can put them in housings to get them off the street but that does that does more than one thing that's also fiscally responsible because um the if you go write them a ticket and they don't pay the ticket it turns to a warrant you put them in and out of the jail over and over again that costs the taxpayers money. They have to house them, they have to feed them, and they have to provide medical attention to them. So fiscally, that's the responsible thing to do to try to uh, alleviate some of this, some of the, the the homeless population, so we can serve the citizens. We can have you know a nice clean area. It's attractive. It brings it, it brings uh, people into the area, businesses, and uh, and and residents into the area because it's a beautiful community. So some would would challenge that. Um why do you believe this is a law enforcement function? Well, there's there's a uh, I mean, there's a, an issue with it. Obviously, it's been recognized, and there there are uh, vagrancies, and there's uh, you know these these folks that uh, it, in reality it's the it's the right thing to do, helping people. Uh, you know, service is about, in my opinion, service is about compassion having compassion for, for people. I mean, we can do our job with compassion every day. It does, compassion is not weakness. Compassion is, is actually uh, strength in, in, in dark times. So I think that it's the right thing to do, and I think that there is a uh, uh, precinct two has an opportunity to do that. Uh, there's more. Today, the public expects more from its law enforcement agencies, and this is just one of those programs that is no different than a program for precinct three with their DWI task force or uh, you know, precinct five with their mental health. That's another. That's another partnership that can be uh, can be bridged is with the mental health portion of it. Some of these homeless uh, folks, uh, they they need mental health uh, help. Now, you touched on it briefly. One of the big uh, questions that's come up to precinct two, uh, including the, the current constable there, is that that's the only constable agency currently that's not twenty four seven. Sure. And and you believe that there's currently enough people. And uh, from uh, last week's show, just to uh, to quote uh, something that the current constable said, he believes that there would need to be 20 more people uh, before it could go to 24-7. And you you disagree? You think that currently with the uh, people in place, uh, do you believe that you could still provide police functions and the civil service with that? Well, you know, civil civil process is the primary objective of, of the constable's office. And, you know, that is one thing that will be done uh, professionally and reliable, uh, reliably. And so, um, I don't. It's not, it wouldn't take 20 people to, to go 24 hours a day. It, obviously, with the staff that they have now, uh, there would be there would be some gaps in service. Um, you would need to add some people to make sure that because you have you know days off, you've got sick time, you've got vacation time, you've got 
uh, you know, this time that these guys can take off. And so currently you could go 24 hours a day with the resources that you have. It would be nice to have some more so you could fill those gaps in service. But uh, I think that really what I'm not, I'm not trying to take over what the sheriff's office does. What I want to do is take care of precinct two. I want to take care of the area and I want to supplement what the sheriff's office is doing. So uh, in, in times of need, when people call the police, um, they don't care if it's a sheriff's deputy. They don't care if it's a uh, if it's a constable. They want somebody who's equipped to do the job and knows how to handle that. And that's what that's what we're we're working towards. Now, one thing we touched about was, um, you know, we we only receive so many tax dollars to work with, and so uh, other agencies have reached out to contract police type programs. Obviously, we have some large contracts already in uh, precinct three, precinct uh, five has uh, the schools, and mm -hmm. SO has the woodland. So. Um, have you considered and uh, those type of things with the MUDs and different uh, contract policing and your experience in that area? Uh, contracts are contracts can be a good thing. They're they're good partnerships with with uh, with neighborhoods and um, there there's there's a lot of cost that comes along with that. Um, uh, roughly about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You have to pay for the personnel. The the neighborhood would have to pay for the, for the person their 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 benefits and for a vehicle with all the equipment and, it, and it's an extremely high cost to some to an HOA and so uh, there's a there's some neighborhoods there's only a portion of wood forest that's in there a lot of that is in precinct five um, you've got uh, Grand Central Park which is a new development which is a, uh, a very nice area and river plantation and those uh, those are something that, that we'd be open to for, for contract deputies to expand in the agency uh, to provide service to make sure uh, that those areas are covered but what what I want to do is not focus on just one area or the other. I want to provide service to all of Precinct 2 equally. So with uh, some of the conversations you've had and some of the other candidates, uh, they've made mention of these things, so I, I certainly want to give everybody an opportunity that sits here to uh, clear up things or to, uh, uh, to refute uh, some of the uh, comments that have been made, I guess. Uh, so uh, one is that uh, you have not held a rank of supervisor, mm -hmm. uh, so obviously being the leader of the organization, you're going to be over uh, a large budget, over people, so how do you plan to overcome the fact that you have not held a rank above, um, you know, detective to a sergeant, lieutenant, captain type of admin level? Right. Um, well, prior to law enforcement, I worked uh, as a health and safety director for an environmental company at a Superfund site, and where I managed the, uh, the safety of about 50 employees for quite a while. Um, and also in, in the job that I do as a detective, I've been a detective for 12 years. Um, I've worked, you know, persons and property investigations. I've worked uh, auto theft task force, and I worked homicide for approximately seven years. And some of those, uh, those scenes are very complex and take a, a lot of personnel to manage. And as, as, the, as the, the lead investigator on those, um, that requires management and you have to you have to be able to allocate those resources to send people out to get the information and you have to you have to basically manage that scene to to uh, to for it to function properly so um, I don't think that I'll have an issue leading I've, I've been a leader before I've been in a leadership role before and uh, I know that I'm equipped after 22 years of doing this job I know that I'm fully equipped to do this job effectively so the, the other thing that we've uh, asked is, obviously, you're not in a constable's office. You're at the sheriff's office. You uh, have not, at least in my understanding, have served civil process or been a civil division before. So uh, how do you plan to be over uh, the, the civil division and, and all the processes that go with that without having that experience? Well, I have had civil training. Um, and there's not a real big difference between civil process and criminal process. Um, I've been serving criminal process for you know most of my career. Uh, I've written and uh, served thousands of search warrants and uh, subpoenas and uh, KPSs, arrest warrants, and those are all those are all legal documents signed by a court ordering you to do something, which is no difference. Now you may run across a uh, a unique uh, civil process paper like a writ of mandamus or something like that that uh, that's not something that you deal with every day, um, but for the most part, I've been serving criminal process uh, my entire career, and uh, we'll be able to handle that. Okay. So the um, the current staff um, obviously has about five people addressing civil, and there's um, the other 
10, four of those being, or five of those being supervisors, so basically about five that uh, I guess are, are out to do patrol functions and those type of things. Uh, when saying that you want to service all of Precinct 2, what do you feel some of the top priorities of uh, beyond civil that those five deputies could be doing to assist the citizens of Precinct 2? Well, um, you know, obviously uh, public safety is paramount. And so, you know, you want to you want to be seen. You want to have a public. You want to have a presence in the public uh, as a law enforcement agency. You want to. You want. You, there's traffic concerns. There's traffic safety. Uh, we have, uh, you know, a stretch of roadway from the cut and shoot area all the way out 105 to uh, about Lake Lorraine. Uh, that's that's a very heavily traveled area out there. That's a huge concern. But you know what we want to do is we want to make sure that when somebody calls the police, that that there's somebody. Uh, in the area that can respond in a timely manner, that can go over and has the experience and the knowledge to uh, to to uh, take care of that that person and their needs at that time. And uh, you know we can't we have to rely on each other. One of the big things is mutual aid. Uh, mutual aid partnering with all of the public services in the county is key. It's paramount to uh, serving the the public effectively. And so. Uh, working with the sheriff's office, working with the Connor PD, working with the other constables' offices in the area is uh, is is necessary to to serving the public. So you've, I know, throughout uh, this campaign, uh, y'all have gone to many functions. You've gotten to know all the other candidates, and uh, uh, y'all y'all have heard your your stories all, all over and over again. Uh, so you've gotten to know them pretty well. Just speaking uh, personally, what do you believe makes you stand out? that as a leader over Precinct 2 would be a benefit of having you there versus anyone else in the race? Well, I can't say that I'm a better person than anybody else that's in this race. They're all, they're all good people. They're all great guys, and I know them all personally. And uh, I think my training, my experience, my years of service uh, is, is tried and true, and I, I know that, uh, that I have a, a direct and concrete plan for Precinct 2. Um, I'm not sure that anybody else has, uh, you know, the, the, the direction that I have as far as what I, what, what I want to do and the different way that the public is going to be served by Precinct 2 if I'm elected into that office. So one of the common things we like to talk about on the show is just um, sort of the future in law enforcement and issues facing law enforcement. So um, it can be about Precinct 2 or just in general, what do you feel uh, in the future of law enforcement, some issues that we're going to have to be handling and should be thinking out uh, ahead for? Well, you know, future projections is one of the things that all law enforcement agencies should be focused on, seeing what the needs are, the upcoming needs are going to be. Uh, with population uh, growth in a county, I mean, we're number 14 in the nation uh, as far as growth. And so population growth means you, it's necessary for an agency to grow and to provide more public services, not just law enforcement, but all public services, it has to expand. And so uh, having a visible presence of police out there makes the public feel safe. It, uh, it, it pushes criminal activity to a different area. And, um, and so there, there's a need for, for more police officers to be out on the street so we can, so people uh, don't have that fear. Of, they, we can reduce crime and the fear of crime. And uh, the other thing is, you know, probably internet technology is that it, it, as it advances. Uh, I know that the internet crimes against children is a great program. It's something that Precinct Two currently has a, a deputy doing, and that's another program that probably needs to expand as as uh, as technology it advances. Um, it's it's important to to know that uh, criminals hide behind their computers and they uh, they exploit. Uh, children that are online and you know they they do criminal activity on there so that's another cyber crime is, is a pretty big deal these days now you had mentioned uh, community policing and so uh, what type of programs or how do you plan on being involved directly in the community uh, either in education awareness protecting what what sort of plans do you have for that well, I have another idea that we wanted to uh, try to implement, and it's uh, it's working. It's partnered with the Justice of the Peace, and it's 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 for youth offenders, and uh, it's basically designed to overcoming youth recidivism, uh, to to stop these to to change the the pattern of uh, reviolating the law as a youth and then turning into an adult who violates the law. So that's a program that would uh, would bring in uh, not only the juveniles and clear up some of the court issues 
and put them on a, we'll do that through through uh, service to the community and a mentorship program. And so that'll involve the parents and the children in, into that program so we can help uh, keep that, keep that these, these kids are our future. They're the ones that are coming up into the, and they're gonna be the ones taking care of us and taking over the jobs that we have here and the, and the residency that we have in the county. And so we need to, uh, we need to make sure that, uh, that we have a program that's for the youth also. Now, is there currently a juvenile program with the JP's office in Precinct 2? Are they doing something currently that you want to enhance, or is this something new that, that you've talked about taking on? This is a little different program. This is something that, uh, you know, I, I need to get with the Justice of the Peace and find out. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a deferred adjudication type of program where if they fulfill their obligations, then, you know, and we're talking about Class C stuff. We're not talking about violent crimes or anything like that. This is just a you know, hey, look, there's consequences for your actions. And, you know, just because mom and dad have to pay the ticket doesn't necessarily mean that the child understands that what they did, you know, won't be, you know, they won't re-violate the law again. And so it's things like, you know, uh, whether it be speeding or whether it be uh, minor in possession or uh, uh, truancy or something of that nature, you know, it's something, it's another avenue for, for the courts to say, okay, let's try to get this person back on track again instead of just making mom and dad pay. It kind of makes everybody responsible in that, in that scenario. So how do you, um, you plan to address, if, if you're elected over the office and you have officers that have uh, not been active in those areas that have pretty much just focused on civil uh, or whatever uh, has been deemed important by the previous administration, uh, how do you engage them? How do you get them out there under, under your plan and, and the buy-in of what you want to do? It's training. It's, um, you know, I was looking at the budget and, you know, there's a $15,000 budget for uniforms and a $2,500 budget for training, basically, in the Precinct 2 uh, budget at this time. And so more train. I think training is probably the answer to that question. We, we got to get these guys comfortable with going out and uh, answering calls for service when they're not serving civil papers and uh, knowing what to do with that information, how to report it back, how to follow up on it, how to file charges. And I, I know these guys know how to file charges, but uh, you know, being comfortable in the job that you do is pretty important because it means that you make less mistakes. Well, and in wrapping up, we have a couple minutes left, and I certainly want to give you the platform for, for anything you want to leave with, anything that you want to send a message to the people that are out there. And also, uh, we have links uh, to both the candidates today online to be able to contact you. I know that you welcome any emails or phone calls from, from any of the voters out there to answer any questions that we may not have covered. But uh, anything that, that you'd like to say that you'd like to wrap up to make sure people know about what you're doing? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I've got great plans for Precinct 2. Um, I've, I've done this job for a long time, and uh, I, I, I want to serve Precinct 2 in a different kind of way. And, and like I said, it was, it was a stagnant area, and it's a department, and uh, I want to implement some things that uh, gets Precinct 2 Constable's Office more involved in its community and the businesses in the area. And uh, I have concrete goals that uh, I have uh, that I will fulfill if elected. I have years, uh, 22 years of experience to, to lean on, and uh, I have a great relationship with most of the elected officials in the area. And uh, also, I have the the, the backing. Uh, I've been endorsed. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I've been endorsed by both former Sheriff uh, Joe Corley and Sheriff Tommy Gage. I'm very proud of that, and uh, they have the confidence in me. And I will serve Precinct 2 in, in, uh, with, with honor and integrity. And... Um, I encourage you to reach out to me with any questions and check out my website, Vet Me. And uh, if you like what I have to say, I would appreciate the vote. And I'm position number three on the ballot. Okay, so I know that we've posted it, but how do they get in touch? Do you have an email that they can write to you if they have a question? Yeah, Eason2020.com is the website, and it's EasonForConstable at gmail.com is my, is my email. Okay, well, David, thank you so much for coming out today. I appreciate you sharing your time and, and just experience talking with us today. My pleasure. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. 
Second Saturday Divorce Workshop provides unbiased information to help you understand your options and move forward with your life. This divorce workshop is for you if you are contemplating divorce, in the process of divorce, already filed for divorce, or post-divorce. You will explore the emotional, legal, and financial aspects of divorce from professionals who have guided others through divorce. For more information on this divorce workshop, contact SecondSaturdayWoodlands.com or call 832-375-0900. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at one o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. You're listening to Crime Scene Today. I'm your host, Dan Zentek, and we're back following up on the Montgomery County Constable Precinct 2 race, and we're meeting with uh, Clyde Vogel, a sergeant with Conroe PD and one of the candidates in the race. Thank you for coming back, Clyde. Thank you for allowing me to be here. So you have uh, some unique uh, areas that I certainly want to talk to you about. Uh, you, uh, unlike some of other camps, work for the city of Conroe, uh, and that's a unique part of Precinct 2. Precinct 2 has a large incorporated area of Conroe in it, unlike the other constable agencies, and that's something that I specifically wanted to talk to you about. I know that uh, you've worked this area a long time. Uh, I've had uh, times that we've worked investigations that you've come in, and, and certainly you were uh, the go-to guy if we wanted to find somebody uh, uh, whenever we were doing some of our investigations and, and working very well with us. So <clears throat> one of the things that uh, certainly I've asked everybody in this is, you know, we have an incumbent in there. And obviously, when people come out to uh, challenge an incumbent, because they see that there's something that needs to be done different uh, in in that agency. So, uh, what are some things that you see that are currently happening in Precinct <clears throat> Two that that you feel uh, that you need to change? Well, let me tell you why I'm running. Sure. Okay. So, one of the first things was I had talked to the constable uh, three terms ago, and he decided. Then he said he was going to run one more term. So two more terms later, each time he has said, I'm not going to run again. He even said that this time. Right. I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I'm through. So I thought now would be a good time. Uh, in saying that, in my opinion, when somebody continually says that they're ready to retire, they're done. Right. Their heart is not in their job anymore. So that was a big thing. Another thing is I think that there are some inefficiencies within the department that I could capitalize on. Uh, we did a few open records requests. You talked to him about them the other day a little bit, and he said that I submitted them wrong. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so what the open records request response that I got was is that Number of civil papers received for Precinct 2. Right. That's pretty exact, correct? Right. Uh, and number of civil papers served for Precinct 2. In 2018, he had 4,803 papers that came through his office. Right. He served 1,338 of those. Okay. Uh, and it's consistently that way for the last, since 2014. It hovers around 27 to 30% of their process serving. I think I can do a way better job than that. Uh, in saying that, he has 15 people in that office, including himself, that are sworn personnel, right, 19 right. total. Uh, when you break those numbers down, he has two people that serve papers, and he has one that does writs, I believe is what he's been saying. Okay. So if you break that down to 1,338 papers and divide that by two people, 
with 261 working days in a year, that's a paper and a half a day. So what are those guys doing the rest of that time? That's what I want to know. As a taxpayer, that's what I want to know. So I think that civil process is number one. I think being a bailiff for the JP is still your constitutional duty. They're kind right. of tied yeah, together. They are. So I just want to see what they're doing after they serve those papers. And I think that they should be out being police officers, according to the Code of Criminal Procedure, right? Right. That when they're done with the one and a half paper a day, that they need to be out doing traffic enforcement. They need to be out in subdivisions talking to people. They need to be in downtown business districts where people can see them. Uh, In Precinct 2, we have Grand Central now that has all of the shopping there. Those guys could be out there. I I just believe that some resources need to be reallocated to where those guys are working eight hours a day. So now to to challenge a little bit of that, so we have um, certainly the numbers received and you have the numbers served. And uh, one of the statements he made last week is that uh, that does not count for the ones that are attempts, I guess. And so um, that being said, and, and from what I hear that you're saying, please, I'm not trying to put words, so correct me if, if I'm wrong, is that even if there are attempts, you believe that there's other ways and possibly better ways that still more papers could show up as served. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you why, because listening to the radio show, when he, when he spoke with you, he said, he said, we don't do any other investigation to see where these people live. You and I know both that there are multiple databases that we sure. have access to, to where you can find somebody that you, you want to get to. Right. TLO, LexisNexis, anything else to where we can track somebody to find them and get the paper served. That's your job. So now, as far as um, in this just month, so the Grand Park, what do they call it, Grand, Grand Central, Central Park. So how much of that is 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 there part of that that's city and part that's county, or what's what's the? It is in the city. No, it's all within it's the all city. city. Okay, so that's completely city, and that that sort of brings me a question I did specifically want to ask you, and that is uh, the balance between what the city does and then what Precinct Two does in the crossover, right? Uh, because I think you probably could speak best to that being with the city and that meaning is that patrol function, is that extra work a benefit to the city? Absolutely, it's a benefit. It would be a benefit not only to the city, but to all the voters within Precinct 2. I mean, just because it lies within the city doesn't mean that they shouldn't be patrolling. I'm not saying jumping calls and running calls for the city. Okay. But having a the first level of, of force is our presence, right? Right. So when these guys are out patrolling in these neighborhoods, whether it's unincorporated or incorporated, that is a deterrent for criminal activity. You agree? Sure. Okay. So now, uh, and I've asked all of this, um, in all the constable agencies, they seem to identify a problem that's going on in their precinct and, and use resource to address that uh, that's not being addressed uh, in as I've used the example, Precinct 1, uh, they're mental health officers. Precinct 3, it's crimes against children, DWI, uh, computer forensics. And 4 and 5, they seem to focus on uh, narcotics in their area. What's something at Precinct 2 that you see as a problem in that area that you feel needs to be addressed beyond just the civil? Well, i got to explain my answer, right? Sure. So Constable Hayden, up until this budget year, everybody in his office touched civil. And after they were done with their civil, they went out and did the narcotics enforcement, the traffic enforcement. Uh, you know, he touches Splendora, New Caney, yes. all right. of those areas, too, that are incorporated. Sure. And, and they kind of have an over, overlapping and good relationship with those guys when they're out working. So Precinct 2 has no ancillary duties as Precinct 3, uh, Precinct 1, or Precinct 5. <clears throat> It is my belief that if the commissioners wanted Precinct 2 to have an ancillary duty, then I would be glad to help with that. I think when you start forming a unit within Precinct 2, 
you're you're causing a growth that the burden shifts to the taxpayer in order to have to grow that department. Now, in saying that, my background is all narcotics. Uh, from 2006 to 2017, I was a canine. I did proactive patrols. You you know as well as most officers that narcotics is the single most proactive department, sub-department within a department. Right. Everything they do is, is 90% proactive. So I believe that if you are out stopping cars and talking to neighbors, that you can continue to do that even as marked units, because I did it. I did it for six years. Not six years. I did it for two years or four, no, six as a canine officer. I was a marked guy and had a dog. And that was my sole job was to go out and be proactive and do law enforcement duties. I also wrote search warrants. I also worked confidential informants as a uniform guy. So I know it can be done. Uh, I think that opiates and human trafficking are the biggest things facing this county, along with all the growth. So if there's any way that we can assist without shifting the burden to the taxpayer to grow the department, I'm all about doing that. So uh, obviously there's uh, some of the agencies, including the Sheriff's Department, a couple of constables that uh, do contract policing, uh, which is reading out to specific areas. Uh, what, what experience or thoughts do you have on the contract policing model? So I don't have a whole lot of experience in contracts because Conroe PD doesn't sure. do them. Right. So, but with my limited experience, if a Grand Central Park came to the constable's office and said, hey, we want to give you $160,000 a year, plus or minus a little bit, uh, to pay for a car, fuel, all the benefits, and for right. this officer, I'm not against that because it's not a burden on the taxpayer. That's a burden on the subdivision that they're willing to take on in order to have the extra patrols. Right. So uh, you spoke before. Uh, on the forums or, or answering some things before uh, that uh, the current administration sort of top heavy over there. So, uh, and, and obviously there's, I think there's what, five you have uh, the uh, constable chief, uh, captain, lieutenant, sergeant. So you have five and it's 15 man department, which is basically your, your point. Now with civil service, um, the lieutenant, the sergeant's protected. So, uh, what do you consider a, a makeup, I guess, uh, what uh, changes could be made uh, to either utilize resources differently or, I mean, how do you plan to address five people overwatching ten people? So with county civil service, I'm not sure what code that y'all fall under right. in regards to that. I know city, it's 143 sure. and it's pretty well. So to answer your question, I'm not certain as to what I could actually do with that civil service in, in place. However, I misspoke before, okay. and I think you did too, uh, just a second ago. So he has a constable, yes, sir. chief, captain, lieutenant. And a sergeant. Two sergeants. Oh, two sergeants, okay. And a corporal. Okay. So we're at eight working, I mean eight supervisory paid positions whether they have supervisory duties or not and seven working people i believe is what it is or vice versa so uh, again uh, back to the original problem of of supervising uh uh you have a large amount of supervisor or a small amount of subordinates right absolutely i i i believe that that is a, uh, I just believe it's way top heavy, and and I don't know how we as taxpayers allowed it to get to that. Again, with with y'all civil service, I'm not exactly sure what you can do as a department head going in to reallocate that. Now I can tell you, if I can shift and move people around, yes, to do things to where whether they're paid as a captain or whether they're paid as a corporal, and, and 
I'm going to have to clarify that, too, because I don't want people saying bad things, because I wholeheartedly believe in ICAC, okay? Right. So, right. Uh, but others, no matter what their position is, can be out doing civil, and then they could be out being proactive. Those guys aren't call responsive. So in going back to what you said a while ago on the numbers, <clears throat> in the attempts, okay, so we asked for calls for service. He said he had 16,000 call, 16, calls for service this year. He got in 5,000 papers. So if he's making five attempts on those papers, that, that in and of itself is going to be 25,000 calls. So I'm not sure where the math is coming in of – him being able to say that well and it, it would and that certainly would be a direct question for him on, on what do you consider a call right i mean if you consider serving a paper uh you know we both uh, are on the current uh, rms system of, of spillman that if you go out on anything it, it shows as a call right yes sir um, and it's up to our administration to look at that and say no you were doing a building check or you were doing a vacation that's not a a call no one called for your service for that you know but uh, depending on the admin some things get reported differently on that type of thing so the uh, the other thing that I want to talk is um, again I know you have great working relationships you have for years between uh, the county and, and the city and those type of things um, you have stated and, and accurately uh, I've challenged the other candidates with this uh, you are the only candidate uh, to hold rank as far as a supervisor how do you feel that 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 actually benefits you and at the current rank just so I'm clear have you worked with budgets and those type of things at your level to submit a budget no but our lieutenants do budget for patrol okay, okay. so I try to go in and sit with those guys and learn what I can since I've promoted uh, our system is pretty complex and it's, it's unless you're doing it all the time, it's hard to understand. Going back to not just a supervisor, right? I, I've said that. I believe that I'm a leader within our department. You and I both know, and any other or most other law enforcement knows, that a sergeant has the greatest weight sure. in, in communicating with people and guiding the department. Uh, whenever the chief law enforcement officer puts out something if the sergeant doesn't go along with it then the guys don't buy into it so i believe that's a very important position and not only am i a sergeant but i'm a leader i have uh, i've been to fbi leader schools we all go to a supervisor school and <clears throat> excuse me in saying that i have one of the top producing we have 10 different shifts in conroe pd okay uh my shift in the last two years has always been a top producing shift with the amount of people that we had. We would be number one or number two throughout the year every month. They don't do that because they're mad at me. They don't do that because they dislike what I'm teaching or trying to go along with to help them work. You have to have buy-in. And if those guys aren't buying in, they're not going to do what I want them to do. And just, just so we clarify for this, what, what counts or constitutes uh, top producing or what makes someone rank as far as top over someone else? So as far as everything that we do is categorized, uh, whether it's calls for service, secondary calls for service, we do home watches, we do patrol checks, we do traffic stops. Citations aren't counted in that, okay? Right. It's just contacts, uh, arrests, reports that you write. Everything that we do is, is graded, and some say that's bad, some say it's good. I believe that as supervisors and managers, we have to have a way to account for our people's time. And if we're not accounting for that, then I think we're doing a disservice to the taxpayer. And one question I've asked where the foundation of, of the show, because we don't normally interview candidates, we normally talk to law enforcement about uh, uh, topics just affecting law enforcement. So uh, in, in that aspect, so what do you see, uh, it can be about two or just in law enforcement in general, what are, what are some uh, future issues or things that you see facing law enforcement we need to be preparing for, to be ready for? Well, again, I think that human trafficking is a big thing, and I think that opiate abuse is a big thing. 
I think that opiate overprescribing is a big thing. Uh, we worked with DEA in 2013, I believe it was, when they were shutting down all the pill mills in Houston. Conroe PD was right down in the middle of that with our narcotics unit. Uh, know how to work investigations on doctors. And if I don't, I have the expertise within Conroe PD or any contact that I've made in order to facilitate those. Uh, as we all know, the, the Settlemeyer family was killed several years ago by an overprescribing physician that's facing consequences for that now. Uh, human trafficking, I think that that's a big deal, and it's a very hot topic right now wherever. Uh, the, uh, another thing that we can overlook is suicide prevention, you know, for not only law enforcement but the public. I was just in a, a meeting yesterday where Judge Mack came in and explained about some of the things that, that their group is doing in reference to trying to combat suicides. Uh, that's a relatively big issue right now. So with, um, with all the things that uh, would, you know how to do, all your experiences, uh, what uh, some have lacked along the way as far as candidates is their experience with civil. So obviously I wouldn't imagine that you've served too much civil process. So how do you plan to overcome that uh, if taken office? I'm glad you asked that because I get to say it. So we all know, right, that you don't even have to be a law enforcement officer to go be a constable. You can go in with no TCOL certification, and as long as you obtain that with 270 day, within 270 days, you can remain the constable. Correct. So I think that civil process is a learning curve, and I don't think it's a big one. Uh, I think that we all, no matter who it is, has to go to school. I think it's 40 hours within the first year of taking office, I believe is what it is. Correct. Uh, so it's not that big a deal to me. I read and I stay up on case law on arrest, search, and seizure all the time. So as far as civil, I can do the same thing with that, and it's, it's a non-issue to me. You talked about training uh, and other things to bring to the department. Uh, what do you feel um, in bringing training to Precinct 2, what do you think would benefit them the most? So I don't really work closely with those guys, but I think that access to uh, different databases that can be used to help them in their job would be a, a big thing. Uh, again, I'm not looking to go in and help the homeless or create a unit that, that does that. I, I, I think that's a burden to the taxpayer, and I think that when you start creating those programs, uh, you attract more. So their training that those guys have, they're all peace officers, but I think that with other databases that would help them do their job better uh, and some possibly uh, tactical schools, anything that we go to in law enforcement increases our awareness in anything that we do. So any training is good. Okay. Well, as we're uh, wrapping up, I, I know I've asked some things, but I, I always want to give every candidate their own platform. If there's something I haven't asked you, <coughs> if someone has challenged you on something that you want to clarify, if there's anything that you want to make sure you put out there, I, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. So uh, anything that, that you want to say that you want to clear up, anything you want to address, um, you know, this is sort of your time to say whatever you'd like. Uh, so one other thing I would like to rebut about what, what the incumbent said was we submitted an open records request to the JP's office. And we asked for open warrants and dollar amounts on the open warrants. So an open warrant to me is it's in warrant status, there's no payment plan, and you go arrest that person or put them on a payment plan. Okay. So having found out, they can't differentiate between somebody who's in a payment plan and somebody, who's if not. it's a warrant status, okay. it's open. Okay. Whether they're on a payment Until plan or not. Until it's done. Correct. Right. Okay. So... 
But there are still 7,000 warrants that are sitting out there that, that are not being served. And I believe that if, whether it's through the payment plan or through incarceration, uh, whatever community service to facilitate getting those funds back in, you and I both know our taxes probably aren't going down. Right. right. But if we can do anything to keep them from going up, I think that's a plus. And I think that's a big thing that the constable can be doing. Uh, he said in one forum that you can't touch those. We don't want anything to do with those. And then on your show, he says, well, when I had guys on light duty, I had them calling in, setting people up on a payment plan. Well, they don't have the authority to set up on a payment plan. That has to be from the judge. Right. So, but I think that's a big thing. I want to stick to getting the process done and being the bailiff for the JP courts and serving those warrants and getting people in to take care of their business. You're held accountable. I'm held accountable. And others should be also. So, again, I believe that if we can start collecting revenue, you guys opt out of it. opted out of net data at Precinct 3. Uh, And I think, well, I'm not real sure what the reason is. But anyway, so Precinct 3 serves warrants, right? Uh, We we do serve warrants uh, along with civil process, but actually as far as the collections through the JP, so that's not actually with the... uh uh, with the actual constable deciding who is the collection agency. Right, and I'm not saying we yeah. should be collecting. What I'm saying is we should be holding them accountable to where they can get their business taken care of, whether it's by fine, jail, or uh, community service. Right. I'm not out there to take their money. <laughs> so in wrapping up, and, and what I've told everybody, uh, anybody that's listening out there and those type of things, whatever candidate wants is just an opportunity to talk to you. Uh, if there's any questions that you have, uh, for Clyde or anything that we haven't addressed here that it hadn't been addressed anywhere that you want that answer before you make a decision for voting, uh, then please reach out to any of the candidates. Uh, Clyde, we've posted your information on the Facebook Live and such, and it will be posted on, on our websites and such. But how does someone get in touch? If they want to ask you a question, how do they reach out to you? Well, first of all, m- my phone number is on my printed material. It's uh, 936-672-1361. That's my personal cell. I answer it any time that I'm awake, because I work three to three. Uh, in the event that it is a political question, I may defer you until I'm not working to where I can take care of your, your call. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Vogel for Constable, uh, same on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and I also have a website that's Vote Clyde Vogel. Well, Clyde, thank you so much for coming out, and uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate everybody running. It is uh, uh, definitely a, a sacrifice to do. It's a lot of time and energy. Uh, y'all are wrapping up. Uh, the primary is coming up, and uh, I hope that the voters get the information they meet, need uh, and make the, the decision that uh, will benefit the county for everybody. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thanks so much.